Everything that you need is hiding in all of the places that you haven't wanted to look. By accepting everything as it is, and then pivoting to a direction that's more favorable to our desired path, we can regain our existential power. I think it's a human tendency to want the benefits of something without wanting the costs, but the costs create the benefits. Problems are unavoidable and inevitable. An analogy that might suit this is when you're starving, you eat. When you have enough to eat or you have more than enough to eat, you don't have that desire as much or feel the need as much to eat. So in other words, when we are pursuing something that we perceive that one day will create happiness within ourselves, we're highly motivated to pursue that thing in the absence of it. But when comfort and complacency exist in abundance, that's when the shadow self makes itself known and appears. Power resides in the ability to do all that can be done. Peace resides in accepting what can't be done. That was a, the last part of that, the power part. It's a quote I recently heard by Matthew Hussey. He's a pretty famous relationship coach, but I thought that was suitable for what I said prior to that. Welcome to The Starving Artist, episode 24, and it is a Wednesday afternoon. This, of course, will air the following Monday, but it's a beautiful day here in Tucson, Arizona. Gonna get started. Let me tell you real quick about a company called Mental Ghosts. Mental Ghosts is not just a brand, but a healthy family that aims to embrace people's inner ghosts. Mental Ghosts helps people come together to share their struggles with mental health and manage their problems. It is for people who love shirts, but more importantly, for people who suffer from mental illnesses such as PTSD. Visit mentalghosts.com, use promo code CaseyRyanMusic at checkout to get 25% off your order. Again, that's mentalghosts.com, promo code CaseyRyanMusic at checkout for 25% off your order. That's uh, my buddy... Austin's company. He operates it out of Missoula, Montana. Really cool guy. Very um, industrious and innovative person, and uh, and he hustles. So uh, go support something. He's he's doing something I think for a really good cause, and it allows people to be more vulnerable and open about their mental health issues or their struggles with with life and being a human and in general. So I think you guys should definitely <clears throat> definitely go support that company. Um, all right. So yeah, what's been going on? Uh, the last last week was last week was busy, but it was good. I've I've been feeling pretty good actually about you know uh, who I am and where I am. I'm trying to be more content with that feeling, and also like just create peace within myself for being patient and understanding and compassionate with myself. I had uh, three shows last week, one of which was a wedding. Um, another one was for Valentine's Day, which was on Sunday. That was at a venue called uh, Union Public House. Really good shows all the way around. Everybody was very kind, treated me really good. It feels good to be, you know, a little, a uh, little more secure financially, given how the last, you know, basically year has gone. Got to see an old buddy of mine who I'd known since I was like five years old. Uh, he showed up at a at the show that I had on. 
on Valentine's Day in Tucson. That's that was pretty cool. My buddy Jake, um, really cool seeing him. Spent I've spending a lot of time in meditation and journaling and reading practice. Um, being more intentional with that practice. I think that sometimes when sometimes when you get into a routine or you get into trying to build habits, it's a natural tendency to uh, to kind of it kind of just becomes formulaic at a point. It kind of, it kind of becomes something that you just get up and do rather than uh, understanding why you're doing it. So something that I've been doing lately also with my to-do lists and just with my journaling and everything is writing out why I do the things that I do and like trying to figure out the reasons behind why I do what I do, whether it's you know, drinking apple cider vinegar in the morning with my Ceylon cayenne and lime juice, or why am I going to the gym, or why am I reading, why am I journaling? Just trying to understand the, the purposes behind purposes and intentions behind my actions a little more, rather than just going through the motions of doing them. And I think it helps you understand yourself a little bit more. And I think it, and, and I think it actually helps you extrapolate on your goals a lot better. And that's one thing I did last week. I I wrote out a like a tentative five-year plan it sounds like that reminds me of that scene in Big Daddy when uh when Adam Sandler goes over to his girlfriend's house and she's with that old guy (laughs) and and she's like Sid is so accomplished and he's already done so much in his life and he he has a five-year plan and Adam Sandler's like what is it don't die I don't know I thought that was funny they don't make movies like that anymore with that kind of humor that's my sense of humor. It's just really stupid. But uh, guess what? I'm kind of stupid. So uh, here we go. I'm the dumbest smart person you know. Um, anyways, I wrote out a tentative five-year plan just to kind of you know, outline where I would like myself to look like, or excuse me, what my life, ideally what I would like my life to look like in the next six months, the next year, the next five years. Um. And I try to be as specific as possible, but it's kind of hard to do that when, you know, you write out something like, I want to feel like, for example, one of the things I wrote out was I want to be at peace with myself 100%. As far as like accepting myself for who I am, the mistakes I've made, um, the good things that I've done in my life, the things that I'm proud of, also the things that I regret and being able to 100% accept those things and show myself empathy. That that's that was like a goal. And that's more of a short-term goal that I have, although that I although I think it takes a long time. I think, you know, self-acceptance for people who think critically or feel that they don't deserve or feel that they're unworthy or inadequate takes, you know, an extended period of time. Um and, and especially how and especially how that I wrote out also how I would like my human relationships to look like and function, you know, um, one of the things I wrote out was I wanted to have a partner, like a romantic partner, who was invested in the long term and had and their values aligned with mine. Um, and that's 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 a difficult thing to analyze sometimes too, because I think as we grow, our obviously as we get older and we get over things and we rethink things, our opinions and our values shift and they change dramatically, given where we are in life and given the things that happen to us. Um, but our, our, our ability to change too. what, what's interesting is sometimes I, I think, especially in the way that the globe is operating, the globe, the globe is operating with the, the way the world is operating right now. Flat earthers, flat earthers hate me right now. Cause I said globe, 
but the way that the world is operating now, like I, I feel like a lot of people are dealing with a lot of things all at once. And I think when that happens, when you, when you're multitasking or you're actively on the go or you're, you know, as the millennials call it, you're grinding or you're hustling. I don't know why I did reverse quotes. Look like little bunny ears. Anyways, um, when you're doing that, you often neglect your ability to receive in the process. Receive love, receive empathy, receive any sort of uh, compassion or from anybody because you're so caught up in achieving and getting and attaining. And that can be a beautiful thing in the short term, but I think in the long term, it catches up with you. And I think that that's where I'm at. I think that's where a lot of people are is like we, we get so caught up in the process of self-discovery or the, or the process of getting things done that we neglect to take a step back and allow ourselves to receive any sort of the fruits of those labors. Um, and this has to do, I think, with uh, a concept in psychology called neuroplasticity. I think I touched on it a little bit in the last episode excuse me, the one before that, but basically it is our brain's ability to, to change. And we can, our, va- our brain is very plastic up until about age 25. Past that point, it becomes exponentially more difficult to change behaviors because they're essentially hardwired into our nervous system. And our nervous system is designed to protect us. So when there's something outside of our nervous system function that tells us, hey, we need to change, usually that, usually that change comes in the form of a, a newfound and profound truth that is a blow to our system. It's a blow to how we think about things. It's a blow to how we conceptualize who we are and how in our relationships to other people, specifically how it relates to probably one person to the other. For me, it's been those blows of profound truth have come from intimate relationships and the shortcomings that I have. And one thing that I'm actually doing actively is understanding that like everybody inside the relationship has a contribution to why it ended or why it didn't. Everybody has their own attributions to that process. And if you neglect that, and if you're just the type of person that just says, oh, it was all my ex's fault, it was all something they did, no, it's not. There's mutual fault in everything. But to get back to this concept of neuroplasticity, past about age 25, it becomes extremely more difficult for our brains to change. And that's because, again, like we're, we're hardwired due to all the things that have shaped us up to that time to understand that like, this is who I am, this is what I believe, or the opposite of like, I don't know what I believe, I don't know who I am. And I think that most people probably operate somewhere in the middle of that. I'd say for the average person, like we, we know past a certain age, like what we value and what we believe, but the ability for our brains to remain in a neuroplastic plastic state comes with objectivity. And thinking that we can have, first of all, believing that we can change, which a lot of people don't, especially, um, and there's, I do actually want to get into this on another episode um, when it comes to addictions, because in order to break a chemical or physical addiction, you have to drastically alter behavior, both mentally and physically. So on a neurological and cellular level and a mental health level on a neurotransmitting level, you can actually break the pattern of that addiction. But overall, to change behavior, um, it takes a lot more effort and that you have to be operating in a way more beta state compared to an alpha state because the alpha state just wants to dominate, wants to hustle, wants to grind. But the beta state, especially the beta state arises when we're in uh, states of meditation and or states of deep REM sleep. 
there's a number of different neurochemicals that are involved in this process, whether it be norepinephrine, dopamine, um, acetylcholine is a big one, a big one that I've been learning about from actually uh, Dr. Andy Huberman, who has an amazing podcast. But it's interesting that I'm learning all of this stuff while I'm also trying to shift and change behaviors within myself. Um, and in order to do that, it takes a lot of self-excavation. But why I feel good about myself as of least recently and why I've felt so, um, I think, a little more empathetic and compassionate with myself is because I'm, I'm sticking to these things. And once you stick to something for a certain period of time, it becomes hardwired into you. And that's what neuroplasticity is. You can stick with something for so long, for a certain duration of time, and eventually it becomes just a part of you. Um, now, this isn't to say that, you know, at a certain point I won't change those behaviors, like change those behaviors or change my eating habits or my workout habits. Or, um, But the biggest things being giving myself compassion and the space to be compassionate for myself and the space to be empathetic for myself in the absence of having really anybody in my life that um, is that person right now. Um, I, I think also something that I'm experiencing um, in, in waves and not, not all the time, but I'm definitely exper- exper- experiencing bouts of loneliness. Um, and of course, loneliness as, as science dictates and just our natural human biology dictates is the number one predictor for early mortality. I'm not saying I'm going to fucking die. Um, but what I'm, the loneliness that I'm feeling, I think I'm, I'm feeling some sort of a lack of connection with people. And it's not just the fact, it's not just like the lack of a romantic partner or, or the lack of friends. It's just kind of a lack of connection to the world as in general, in general, because sometimes I feel very, sometimes I feel very alone, even when I'm in crowds or in groups of people. And I've touched on this a little bit, but one thing that I have been doing in order to kind of mitigate that and, and, make and strengthen my connection to the outside world is, is initiate conversations that normally I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I, I, I was telling somebody about this the other day, but <laughs> I was sitting in the sauna a couple days ago and I was like, all right, like this, this, I was in there by myself. I was just like meditating. And then somebody walked in. It was like a guy and a girl both walked in. And, um, I'm, I told myself, I was like, okay, this is like, your chance, Casey, this is your chance to put your, put the practical application of what you've been trying to do in, into everyday use. And initiating a conversation might not sound like a big deal to a lot of people, but like for me, it's not. All right, excuse me, for me, it is because usually when people try to talk to me, if I'm like in the sauna or working out or just doing pretty much anything, my initial first reaction, unless I'm in a state of being receptive to it, is like the first thing I think in my head is like, why the fuck is this person talking to me? Like, what do we like? <laughs> it's 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 anger, and I think that's I've, as I've talked about several times. Is like anger is my primary emotion, not in like a violent sense, but just like that's my first my first reaction is like this person is causing me to feel angry. So when I'm at the gym or when I'm fully immersed in an activity, and somebody says even the smallest thing, hey, like you using this machine still or like, Hey, can I work in with you? Or like, Hey, you like, even if, even if it's like a complimentary thing, even if they're approaching me from a complimentary state, like my first, I'll take on my headphones and like, I'll be like, you know, I'll throw my hands like what kind of, you know, instead of being like, instead of having the state of mind and the, and the presence of mind to just be at peace with that interaction and just express gratitude and empathy for a person talking to me and having, just having a momentary 
nice, beautiful, polite interaction with another person, but it makes me mad. Anyways, I was in the sauna. This guy walked in. I think there was like soccer playing. There was like soccer playing on ESPN and there's like, there's a little TV behind the plastic screen in the sauna. This girl walks in, sits to the right of me. The guy walks in, sits to the left of me. And, uh, the guy wasn't even watching the game. He like was he wasn't even paying attention to the soccer game at all. He was facing the opposite direction. And I say to him, Hey, uh oh no, no, excuse me, it was tennis. That's what it was, because Serena Williams was playing. And uh I say, Oh, hell of a game, huh? Hell of a match. Like tennis match or whatever game. And uh he's like, he literally looked at me, turned all the way around, and was like yeah. And then he just put his headphones back in and I was like, Oh, I was that guy just now, but it's practice because I think that when you, to get back to the original thing, which was like talking about loneliness, I think that when you experience bouts of loneliness, and by the way, I'm not like lonely. I mean, I'm experiencing bouts of it because I I think I just, I'm craving human connection much like a lot of people are given that we've been kind of fucking locked up for a long time. Yeah, with the pandemic. But I think when you experience bouts of loneliness, it perpetuates the desire to connect with people, obviously. And that desire to, uh, to, that perpetuated desire to have a connection with people manifests in the form of fears. Like also like fears of, and these, these are more my fears because I tend, my attachment style tends to be avoidant. That's basically my attachment style. I don't really like to, to take on, um, take on the burden of, of pointless conversation, or at least in my mind, deeming it as pointless conversation. But I can also be avoidant when it counts, um, especially most of the time in my relationship to women. Not like all the time, but I tend to be avoidant in most human interactions because I just would rather, I would rather hear somebody talk than like say what I'm feeling. And that's something that I'm working on too. Anyway, separate from that, when you, when you, have the fear or you're avoidant or you're insecure when you're about to initiate a conversation or, or whatever it is, you, you kind of come, you, you don't come across as necessarily genuine because you're not, you're not in, you're not in a, you're not putting yourself in a state to be genuine when you're constantly overanalyzing and overthinking what you're about to say or what the person might say. And I think this usually, this usually for just a, just a separate segue, I think this is why men when they're approaching women often men use the ideal of female perfection as a means to motivate themselves so the misconception that men make i think is believing that the fear of rejection outweighs their own identity as a male like this is why men do this and this is why men have such a difficult time interacting with women especially attractive women because they they don't see the woman as an individual. They see her as the manifestation of a judgmental ideal or an idea. So in establishing, so only by establishing a relationship with the actual woman can they start to see her as an individual who is also flawed like he is. But we can never have a partner and be successful in viewing them as an ideal and what we want or perceive them to be if we continually put them on this pedestal of like a deity that should be worshipped at their feet. Um, so basically, in other words, like what I'm trying to say is like in, uh, in order to have a relationship with the actual person, you have to sacrifice the relationship with the ideal person. So this ties in with that fear of rejection that I was just talking about. 
a lot of men have this. Um, a lot of men have this, and a lot of women have it too. I'm sure. I mean, I'm, I can't. I can only speak for myself. I can only see the world through my eyes. I can't see the world through a, a woman's eyes. But I can imagine that like women experience it too. And I think that's what like the fundamental conflict is with like men and women relating to each other. And that's what like that's what expands on the idea of loneliness and like this deep internal fear that we're going to end up alone. And by the way, that's not one of my fears. I think it's more of a fear for sure. I, I've realized in the last year like that I actually possibly might want a family someday, that I actually might want to commit to somebody in the form of marriage because I think I better understand what that commitment means and I think that I've shaped it into my own definition. But in no way am I afraid of dying alone because I've accepted my own death, my own mortality a long time ago. And that was pretty much right when I got into psychedelics and, and meditation and yoga. Like I was, I was able to put that, that dog to rest a long time ago. But when it comes to men and women reacting and, or excuse me, interacting with each other, that's where the fundamental conflict lies is because we're so caught up in thinking what might happen if we get rejected or what might happen if they they don't respond to our to our extroversion or our our hints at pursuing them or anything like that. And really this is this is like the actual truth behind all of that. Really you're not losing anything if you're rejected. Like who gives a fuck if you're rejected? All that all that rejection is is your ego telling you that you're lacking something and then that pers- this person that you're pursuing might be able to fulfill it. And when they don't fulfill it in the form of rejection or not being interested back and not, recipro- and not having the reciprocity back to you that you've desired, all that it is is a blow to your ego. But you're not actually losing anything. In fact, you're fucking gaining something. You're gaining something. You're gaining the courage to understand that like you had the bravery, the vulnerability, and the strength to approach a person or approach a goal or whatever, or a career choice, whatever it may be, with the tenacity and courage that it took to get rejected. And we can even expand on that a little more. We can even expand on that because that can, I think that can be extrapolated to life in general. It's like, for example, I have so many friends in my life that, or I just, I, okay, I'm not going to put it that way, just for the sake of sparing any any ego blows to them. And by the way, I'm not saying that like, I'm better. But like one thing I don't really do that often is mitigate risk. And I probably could be better at that. And I'm trying to be better at that because sometimes I just say yes far too much. We did a whole episode about this. Yes, man. Um, it's not that I'm dis, it's not that I don't disagree with people or, or have the fucking backbone to stand up for myself because I do, I probably do that too much, but I don't, I don't mitigate risk in the sense that I don't really think about the consequences of my actions long-term because I want to justify my present impulsive self, which isn't necessarily the best thing to do. It's not always a bad thing, but it isn't the best thing. I don't even know the fuck what I was just talking about before. I don't know what I was talking about. Men and women. Um, anyways, that fear... Okay, oh yeah, this is what I was going to say. Um, when So basically, a lot of people spend their time wondering... What might happen if I say this? So in turn, they don't say it or they don't do the thing. or They don't chase that dream. But another thing that happens is like a lot of people look to other people that have achieved something of success and had the courage to pursue and, and did see the fruits of that labor rewarded, whether it's in the form of monet, 
monetarily, monetary or financial means or, or just status or notoriety, whatever it is. A lot of people say like, oh, he just got lucky or she just got lucky. Like, oh, like that, oh, he doesn't fucking deserve that. It's like, okay, a couple of things. One, you didn't see the work that he or she put in to pursuing that person or pursuing that goal or pursuing that dream. So fuck you for saying that. Secondly, this is some, this is kind of a philosophy that I've adopted and I'm sure that it's been out there. I'm sure not, I'm not the first one to say this, but I've always said that you can work as hard as you want and sometimes nothing will happen. And that's the truth. And that's a, that's a shitty thing to say because like when you hear all these, like one thing I disagree with all these motivational speakers and all these people who try to be inspirational is like never give up on your dreams, like work as hard as you possibly can. And it's like, yeah, I definitely think on paper that sounds good, but sometimes people work hard their whole fucking life and have nothing to show for it. My father was one. My father was also an alcoholic, but he worked his fucking ass off and never had anything to show for it outside of, depending on what you view subjectively as having things. Like he had, why do I keep doing these reverse fucking quotes? It's like, maybe that's a new trend that'll catch on. It's like quotes should be your fingers facing out I'm doing them facing in, like toward myself, I'm quoting. Anyways, um, hard work doesn't always pay off, and that's the truth. But the caveat to that is, and like the, what I will say is like, you cannot get lucky, did the quotes again inside. I think it's like a fucking automatic nervous system response now. I don't know what, I'm doing the quotes to myself. Anyways, um, you cannot create the opportunity to get lucky without working hard some people there's there's the people that get lucky based on just being in the right place at the right time or knowing somebody um that's a big thing is like it's not really what who it's not about what you know it's who you know that's a pretty prevalent truth in many industries and that's just the sad truth of it but you cannot create the opportunity to know those people or get in contact with those people or or be at the right place at the right time without working hard. And working hard is getting up on the fucking stage and singing the song. Or it's asking that girl out. Or it's asking that guy out. Or having the courage to say how you feel and say what you really feel to be true in your heart in the face of the possibility of complete destruction of your ego when that person or that job or whatever rejects you. That's fucking courage and that's vulnerability. Now, to get back to kind of like, I guess, what the theme of this episode is, which I don't really know, I don't really know what we're going to have a title for it yet, but like, um, that's what I'm working on the most specifically as it pertains to me in intimate relationships, because I, for one thing, like, you know, they say pride is a, is a, is one of the seven deadly sins. I, I think it's important to have pride in yourself. I think it's important to have pride in what you've done and what you've accomplished because otherwise you're just going to be a fucking doormat. And like, that's the thing is like, if one person for me, it's like, what's difficult for me is like, if somebody that is close to me thinks poorly of me, I don't like it. Like, I, I feel like I feel that internal desire to have to change that person's opinion. And sometimes you just can't. Um, but I also recognize what I offer and what I bring to the table. And I think that that is exponentially disproportionate to the number of things that I'm bad at. So I am proud of myself in that way. Like I know that I'm a loyal person. I know that 99.9% of the time I'm very, very honest with people and very upfront with people about how I feel and like I'm, I'm an open book. But like that 0.1%, specifically how it relates to my 
success in long-term relationships is that inability to be completely vulnerable. You know, like if, if, if something that, if, if I learn new information, if I take in new information, I think like, okay, well, my potential in this moment is fixed because I'm just going to keep this to myself. But really potential isn't fixed because in doing so, you're not only taking something away from the other person and taking the ability for them to put the faith in you that you're being completely truthful with them, but you're not, you're just, you're going to be dwelling on it regardless. So you might as well just say it. And that's like what I've realized profoundly over the last, probably the last month, you know, I've always recognized the consequences of not doing that because the truth has a way of making itself known. But, but that's what's I think compromised. And and again, it's not, it hasn't just been my contribution, but that is a small part of my contribution to the failures of my relationships is like, is when I'm feeling something, not wanting to upset them or not wanting to say it. And so instead you sweep it under the rug and then it just collects over time. And then eventually it bubbles up and comes out. And usually it comes out in the form of an argument or a bad fight. And then you say all these things that you've been thinking and feeling, but you're not saying them in a way that's allowing empathy or compassion to manifest itself because you're just angry. Or for me, that's how it is. But anyways, there's, there's pride in yourself. There's the courage to get up on the stage and sing the song, but there's also the other side of it, which is taking the time to be present and receptive enough to yourself to show yourself the empathy and compassion and love for yourself that says, I need to be true to myself. And being true to yourself includes saying what you really feel in the moment. No matter who, no matter what faces you in front of that. Um, and that's the person that I'm working on being. And, and again, I, I really am proud of myself in so many ways, but in a lot of other ways, I'm not. And, that, and by the way, that's not just like my only shortcoming. I mean, all of us have at least one horrible thing wrong with, with us. And I've said this a bunch, but um, there's, a, there's another, so there's a concept that I kind of wanted to explore that I've, 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 I heard about it in my grad studies, but I didn't really dive into it too much until recently, which is called, it's, it's an area of developmental psychology called the zone of proximal development. So basically, it's the distance between the actual level of development as determined by an independent ability to solve problems measured against the level of potential development as determined by a capable person or a peer. And I think that there's a lot to unpack in there. But what I've been able to, how I perceive this is I think that we all need that person in our life whether it's a friend or an intimate partner. And this all ties in with, with again, with loneliness and wanting to be connected more to people. But we all need that person in our life, whether it be a friend, a mentor, a peer, a girlfriend, a husband, whatever it is, that not only has the courage and, and, and love for us to tell us the full and vulnerable truth, but also that person that's going to be there to help guide us through it. Because... You can try to do it on your own. And I'm not saying that it's impossible to do on your own, but I think having that person there, that empathetic witness, that's just like, there's a quote that I heard recently that I want to say because I fucking love it. It's probably one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard um, by Peter Leachin. And I believe it came from a book called uh, uh, Healing the Waking or The Waking Tiger, Healing Trauma, something like that. But basically the, the quote says, Trauma is not what happens to us. It's what we hold inside of us in the absence of an empathetic witness. 
Trauma is not what happens to us. It's what we hold inside of us in the absence of an empathetic witness. And that's what I'm talking about right here. This all ties in with like the whole theme of like kind of what I've been talking about for the last 30 minutes about all of us are feeling some semblance of loneliness. Like for me, it's it's not debilitating. And I don't think for most people, it's probably not debilitating because all that ha- all that needs to happen in those moments are, are one of two possibilities. One, you seek out a person that you can trust in those moments. You seek out a person that will be that person for you. And obviously, that I'm sure that person has obligations. They have things to attain, attend to in their own life. But if you can find that person, it's it's, it makes all the difference. And I don't, I have, I probably have one person in my life that can be that for me. Um, and it's, it's probably my buddy, Mike, but, um, just, just as far as like a person that where I'm at right now in my life, I can share that complete truthful vulnerability with, without, without worry of judgment. Now I've, I've been proud of myself lately because I've actually, you know, having conversations with people who, you know, were in my life previously about, you know, being as honest with them as I can about where I'm at and saying, you know, like, this isn't good for me right now. Like, and I can't, I can't entertain these ideas or these dynamics anymore because it's just not what I want. Um, or it's not, not what I want, but also not what I need because what I need right now is to, is to have the time and space to heal myself. So that's one possibility is seeking out the, the mentorship or connection with a person that you can trust and confide in. The other way, I think, is to deeper your connection with yourself, which is what I've been doing, which um, is, is more difficult because, again, it's a path that you walk alone. Like that Green Day song, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I walk a lonely road, the only road that I've ever known. Don't know where it goes, but it's only me and I walk alone. Da-da, 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 da-da. Da 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 da. My shadow's only one that walks beside me. My shallow heart's the only thing that's beating. Sometimes, but if you sing it like Billy Joe, he's like, Sometimes I wish someone out there will find me. Till then I walk alone. I just clipped the mic, sorry. I didn't mean to sing Green Day to you guys I just thought that it was pertinent to the moment to make it sound fucking meaningful you know um so that's what I've been doing you know just just finding that connection within myself and how I can deepen it with myself and understand myself better and uh this zone of proximal development though it so it can pertain to both of those things and I guess overall what I'm trying to get at is that actually let me read an ad real quick and then we'll then we'll get back to this the Starving Artist is brought to you by Liquid IV. Liquid IV's mission is to help people everywhere live better lives, to optimize the body, hydrate those in need, and better the planet. From the electrolyte multiplier to the triple hydration single-use packets, Liquid IV is becoming a staple in the hydration game and is an incredible product for anyone looking to expand their overall health and fitness. Visit liquid-iv.com. Use promo code CaseyRyanMusic at checkout for 20% off. Again, that's liquid-iv.com. Promo code CaseyRyanMusic at checkout for 20% off. Um... I've tried recently their energy multiplier, which is like an all natural energizer. It's like one stick of it is the equivalent of two cups of coffee. Not on caffeine right now, but you know, what do you do? 
The Starving Artist is brought to you by Flight Supplements. At Flight, we are passionate about two things, faith and fitness. We as an organization exist to provide you with great products and information to help you build a healthy body and achieve your fitness goals. Head over to flightsport.com. Use promo code Casey Ryan Music at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's flightsport.com. Promo code Casey Ryan Music at checkout for 10% off. Um, yeah, anyways, it's, it's, it's a, it's a difficult time, I think for everybody, obviously, but there, I coming from somebody who recently, you know, had a big part of his heart broken down by, by my own shortcomings. I, I promise you there is a path that leads to the cessation of that suffering as, as dictated as one of the four noble truths in Buddhism. Um, but it just it just takes I think that ritualistic ceremonial practice of doing the work and excavating day in and day out, and it can be difficult and it can be very lonely and I think that's kind of what I'm experiencing. But I feel better, and I'm not saying that that feeling is going to last because I've learned one thing about myself that's pretty much a universal truth is that like my feelings and emotions are very cyclical just like I think they are in all people but for me especially it's fucking up and down up and down up and down but that's one thing that helps a lot with like meditation and and having these rituals and practices because you kind of just operate at a more equal level and also like I've kind of given up a lot of things in my life recently I've given up nicotine I've given up caffeine um just to share something that's like kind of hard to talk about but but fuck it, I'm going to share it. Um, I didn't masturbate for like three months. And then like two weeks, or yeah, it's been about two weeks ago that I, I did. And I watched porn. Yeah. I hadn't watched porn in like six months. Been a long time since I hadn't watched porn, since I had watched porn. And I was never, I never had a problem with porn, you know, but it was definitely something that I chose to watch if I were to decide, hey, I'm going to jerk off. Uh, but yeah, I watched porn and I jerked off. It was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday endeavor too. But, you know, I'm two weeks, I'm two weeks back on. And, uh, and again, like I think like what happened was, this is what happened. I went and saw a comedy show with a buddy of mine. And I had... And I hadn't drank in a long time either, but like I, I had two old fashions. And for me, that's like fucking the normal person having like 30 shots. I just was obliterated after two old fashions. This is why I don't like to drink because if I have two drinks, like if, only if I have two drinks, like I will do anything. And like, you know, I, I 95% of the time I take very good care of my body. The 5%, you know, I, I don't because it's usually just like once I do one thing, I just want to do the other things, blah, blah, blah. I went to a comedy show. I went to Kill Tony with my buddy Billy and his sister. And, uh, and then afterwards, you know, you know, got back to my hotel. I was feeling kind of like, feeling kind of loose because I had a couple drinks. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to jerk off. <laughs> so I did. And then I, I was like, okay, I'm going to start over on Monday. So I might as well just do it Saturday. And then Sunday came around. Oh, I might as well just do it Sunday too. So I did. So I admitted that to you guys. I'm not proud of it, but uh, I'm human you know, and I made, I made that mistake, but, um, I, I will say one thing, I will say one thing, well, I was, so, I, w- I was, I was with somebody prior to that, so, like, it wasn't like I was just giving up 
having an orgasm altogether. So this is the first time, you know, since that, um, I made it three weeks with no orgasm, no jerking off at all or anything, no sex or anything. And then, um, I'm two weeks back on, but basically anyways, to tie into that, that's just, that's just me sharing my truth and being vulnerable and being honest with you guys, because, um, the more that I practice being truthful in these situations, the more better I'll be able to do it when the moment counts, especially if it's with somebody that I love or I'm pursuing love with. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it all boils down to the ritualistic practice, like getting that routine, like getting it stuck in your head. So for the most part, I've had no caffeine, no nicotine, no porn, no jerking off, no sex, no orgasm at all. And then, um, I'm also on no carbs again. It's a pretty much a diet I've done for a long time. Anyway, I, I hop back on and hop back off a few times, but, um, but yeah, so, um, really don't know where I was going with all that. Basically, I'm just saying like having discipline is very liberating and being truthful with yourself is very liberating. Um, having the, the courage to, to step up and be vulnerable and truthful in a moment and share how you feel, even if it means you getting rejected is crucial. And that's how you build this resilience and courage because especially as a musician, I've been told no exponentially more times than I've been told yes. But in the times that I've been told yes, it's because I worked hard to create the opportunity for the person to tell me no so I could shift, pivot in a new direction, move towards something else, try something different. And in doing so and working hard and staying consistent, most of all, and persevering, I was able to get the opportunities that I have. I created those opportunities for myself because I worked hard. So if you do nothing, nothing will happen. If you don't ask her out, you won't date her. If you don't ask him out, you won't date him. And you're never going to know. So say the thing that you want to fucking say because life's just too short. And I know that's very like senior citizen advice, but it's, it's, it's true. The older I get, the more that I understand that that is like the worst thing that some, the worst thing that can happen, especially when you tell the truth, the very worst thing that can happen is also the very best thing that can happen if you're honest. As long as you tell the truth and as long as you say what you feel and like just put it all out there, then the best possible outcome will always happen, even if it feels like the worst possible thing that can happen to you in the moment. But because I know this to be true, because in the moments that I've chosen not to be as honest as I could have, the consequence of that is exponentially worse. And not only that, like you, you either lose a person or you lose an opportunity or you, but you also lose a part of yourself and you shame yourself for, and then you question yourself, like, why didn't I do that? But when you do have the courage to say the thing or do the thing, then no matter what happens, you can walk away from that situation, whatever it is, knowing that everything that you said was true to you. Man, it's fucking cheesy, dude. I'm going to get a cheese grater and just... It looks like I was jerking off. Apparently, that's all I'm thinking about. Anyways, um... But yeah, I'm going to get to some listener, listener questions here. Overall, you guys, life is it's very complicated right now. The dating world is complicated. There seems like there's seemingly so many options and seemingly so many, uh, seemingly no options at all at the same time. And not only in the dating world, in the, our financial world, you know, having trying to have goals and dreams and aspirations when we're kind of waiting through a global pandemic and waiting to see what happens. It's difficult, but it's important still. Just write it out. Write it out. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with other people. That's the best thing you can do. And it's the only thing that you can do is try. So I commend you guys for trying. And I admire you all for listening to this because I'm a fucking genius. Just kidding. 
but um, but I do know what works and what doesn't, at least for me. So maybe you can per- pertain it to your own life. I'm going to get to some listener questions here. Uh, I have a lot to catch up on, so I appreciate you guys giving me these questions. If you'd like to email questions to info.thestarvingartistpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's info.thestarvingartistpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. All right, question number one comes from Hank out of Tacoma, Washington. I've only known one other Hank in my day, and he was a, I don't know how old you are, but he was like a 60-year-old bus driver. And he was our bus driver for like all of our baseball and wrestling meets and stuff, and he talked like this, and he he talked like this a lot. And I remember I remember specifically he had always, he, he <laughs> we could be on our way to a tournament or a, or a baseball game or anything, and he would stop the bus on the side of the road so he could smoke. <laughs> like, you can't do that as a bus driver, but he did. He would pull us over on the side of the fucking freeway and just puff out some fucking Marbreds. And he'd get back on the bus, and sometimes sometimes some of the other kids would, like, play pranks on him. I never did because I thought it was cool, and also he's driving our fucking bus, so stop playing pranks on him because high school kids are cunts. But sometimes he would... uh he would have a bag of Lay's potato chips sitting in the front seat of his bus, and like sometimes the kids would steal the potato chips, and then he'd get back on the bus and he'd be like, "Where are my potato? Where are my Lay's potato chips?" And he had like the deepest, sexiest Johnny Cash voice, but it was hard to pay attention to because his the overwhelming smell of the Marbreds on his old old jean denim jacket. Got to be a lot. But anyways, that's the only other Hank I know. Hank out of Tacoma, Washington says, best way to get motivation to start working out when you have none and how long did it take you to achieve the body you have? Oh, this old thing? No. Uh, um, well, one thing that I was somewhat lucky about was like I was kind of born with genetics where like I didn't really have to watch what I eat or anything like that. I mean, I could... I think it would be pretty hard for me to get fat, honestly, if I tried, like even if I didn't work out or anything. But, I mean, I'm never going to let that happen anyways. But um, best way to get motivation, I would say just start. Um, just start with like walking around your block. And if you can do that 10 times or do that like two weeks in a row, then you can start walking around your neighborhood. Then you walk around your neighborhood and maybe you say, okay, maybe I'm going to jog around my block today and that's it. And then you start jogging around your neighborhood and then eventually you start to get confident. You start to feel better. So you want to take on more and then you maybe get a gym membership and say, hey, I want to put on some muscle size. And then, you know, any part of motivation is just beginning. I think it's just starting the process. Anytime like I, oh shit, anytime I start anything, it's uh. It's hard for me to, it's hard, it's hard because you always start as a beginner, but I always know that when I start something, I want to see it through. And it's just those little progresses. Like for example, like I don't ingest that much caffeine as it is, but like I'm doing no caffeine. I'm on week two, you know, so I'm eight days in. And the first four days I was like, had headaches. I didn't want, you know, I just wanted a fucking cup of coffee or just some pre-workout or something to just get me through because it was rough. But now I'm starting to feel like, oh, I can like get through the day without this. So by starting small and achieving those small realistic goals within the context of your bigger long-term goal, 
those small successes give you the motivation to keep going. So it's like the way that I look at things, it's like, okay, if I want to stop doing something, I, I always contextualize it this way. It's like, I can get through today. It's like, say that I, I also deleted all my Netflix and stuff. So I say, I cannot watch Netflix today. I cannot have caffeine for today. That seems, seems to be pretty easy. And then you wake up tomorrow and you say, you know, I think it's a little harder today, but I think I can get through it. And by, by achieving those things and doing those things, you're, you're able to build confidence in yourself and you build trust in yourself and then you build that confidence and you can transfer that to every area of your life. So that's, that would be my advice is to just start small, achieve those things and build them up over time. Don't like expect to just look like, you know, look, have a fucking six pack and be, you know, less than 10% body fat in like six months. Cause it's just not realistic. I, well, maybe it is. I don't, I don't know where you're at, but for me personally, I mean, I've always, I've always, uh, had somewhat of an athletic body because I've, I've played, I played sports all my life and stuff and always stayed active. But you know, this is as far as like working out and like actual devoted intentional exercise goes, this is 10 years of, you know, doing that. And that's also not neglecting the nutrition aspect, which is more important than working out, but that's a topic for another time. But thank you for your question, Hank. And I hope that helps. Vanessa out of Spokane, Washington, shout out to Spokane, Washington, pretty close to my hometown. What do guys want from women? It seems like they only want to play games. Okay. Um, well, Vanessa, thanks for thanks for the question. I do think that's somewhat of an unfair generalization because I don't think all guys are like that. And to be fair, women play games too. Um, but this isn't a debate, debate on that. Men and women both have tremendous shortcomings and we both think and feel about most things differently. So it's important to keep that in mind. I will say you're probably fucking around with boys and not boys trying to be men or men. You know, um, I think that if a, if a man is trying to be better and trying to better himself and he makes you feel good and you feel good around him, then that is a man worth sticking with because he's going to be doing the same for you when you're going through something too. You know, like if, if you have a shortcoming, he's not just going to abandon you. Um, and that's something important to keep in mind. So you want to find a part like that that just doesn't give up. Like, because, but at the same time, it's important to look out for yourself because a lot of guys are just, they do want to play games. And, and, you know, I think that, I think that what most men want from women is just appreciation and recognition for, for the good that they do. Um, but having said that, I think that you've probably just, you probably have a type. What I, what I would imagine is happening is like, you probably have a type and that type is probably, you know, the fucking, if you're saying they only want to play games, I'm assuming it's probably a fucking gym bro. It's probably like, I mean, I'm saying that as a guy that looks like a gym bro, but I'm fucking not, um, you know, he's a gym bro. Maybe he's like, you know, just, just doesn't have a lot of aspirations or a lot of goals. Maybe he's just really caught up in the surface level of things. Maybe he's younger than you, hasn't realized these things on his own yet. But there's a lot of reasons why guys just want to play games. Um, but I think for you, it would be just most important for you to be upfront and vocal about that with the next person that you pursue and just be more selective you know if you're if you're used to going for a certain type of guy maybe explore another option maybe explore going for maybe obviously something that you're physically attracted to if that's something that you value 
but you know, somebody that doesn't necessarily do the same things and, and act in the same, behave in the same ways as the guys that you're typically used to going out with. So give that a try. But for me, what I want from a woman is honestly, it's pretty simple. I just, I want her to, I want her to recognize and appreciate me for who I am and also be her own independent person. And those things aren't mutually exclusive at all. Um, I think a lot of people think they are, but they're not. I think they can be one and the same. Because people are autonomous and parallel to each other and you need to conceptualize relationships like that and not and not idealize, kind of like what we talked about before. But I hope that helps, Vanessa. And yeah, good luck because the dating game is it's uh, slim pickings out there. So, Amy, out of Tucson, Arizona, what would you say is the single most important trait a person can have if they want to be successful? Um, I would say resilience. Yeah, I picked that question and I was kind of thinking about it already. So admittedly, it wasn't just like out of the blue I had that answer. But um, I, I, I think so much of life is not about like how many times you fail or how many times something doesn't work out, but how many times. But I think that like the true definition of a meaningful life, first of all, is that everything that you do matters and how resilient can you be in the face of immense disappointment? Because I think at least for me personally, and I, I know that a lot of other people have had soft or easier lives, but a lot of things in my life have not worked out. I would say 80% of the things in my life have not worked out. And I haven't got what I wanted, or at least some sense of what I thought I wanted. But usually what happens is I learn something profound and I shift and you know I go down that path for a while and then it doesn't work out. And then I shift again. So it's just, it's constant course correction. It's constant adaptation to your environment and what happens to you. But most importantly, it's how much fucking shit you can take and how much, how much, you know, not to use Rocky too as a metaphor when it's like, oh, Rocky, he's gonna, he's gonna pummel you. You gotta get back up. It's not about how much, wait, that was Rock. I don't know, it was one of the Rockies. But anyways, in one of the Rocky movies, Rocky's talking to, I think his son or somebody is like, he said, basically says it's not about how many times you get hit. It's about how many times, well, you know, it's not about how hard life hits, about how many times you can get hit and keep getting back up. Something like that. I don't know. Very, very cheesy motivational line, but it's true. So resilience, be resilient. And uh, if you, if you can harness resilience, then I think that you can handle most things in life because that's what, that's what life is, is just handling things. <laughs> I mean, that's really at, at, at the baseline. It, it's, it's just, there's a stimulus and there's a cause and the effect and it's up to you how you perceive and respond to that. And that all ties into your ability to remain resilient. Starving Artist is brought to you by Heavy Water Coffee with a time-honored passion for the craft. Heavy Water is selecting unique single-origin beans from all around the world and roasting them in micro-batches to maintain the highest level of quality control, high in quality, Small in quantity, head over to heavywatercoffee.com. Use promo code Casey Ryan Music at checkout for 10% off your order. Again, that's heavywatercoffee.com. Promo code Casey Ryan Music for 10, at checkout for 10% off your order. Um, we're about an hour, so we're, I'm thinking we're going to call it. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. I think this was a really good episode. <laughs> I'm such a fuck, dude. No, but I, I, I think it, it went smooth, and I, I think that I shared a lot of things that I've been wanting to talk about on here. So I appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. If you'd like to keep supporting the podcast, do so via Patreon, patreon.com slash Casey Ryan music. Um, 
and I and I just really appreciate you guys sticking around and listening. Um, should have a guest next week, but I'm not really sure yet. But uh, yeah, thank you guys so much, and um, yeah, just stay true to yourself. Have the courage and empathy and compassion for yourself to allow yourself to receive and be vulnerable. And I think having the resilience and and forthrightness to see that your your efforts will be rewarded in some form or another, even if it's not what you think you wanted, but it probably is in some way what you needed. So keep that in mind today, and I hope you guys have a great have a great Monday. This will air on Monday, and I will see you guys next time. That's it. Bye.